Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Behind the Goals. This week we've got something of a, a curveball. Yeah, literally, literally a curveball. One of the most entertaining podcasts we've done yet. Um, we just recorded it and the grin's not quite left my face yet. Uh, <laughs> just really, really good fun, lovely chat uh, with a bit of an innovator. Yeah, very much so. This week we are speaking to a gentleman by the name of Jesse Cole, uh, owner of the Savannah Bananas, a... Uh, Eighth, eighth tier, ninth tier, eighth or ninth baseball tier, team. baseball team uh, in Georgia, America, um, and just a, a completely unique um, and innovative way of going and running and managing a, a sports club. Yeah, um, you if you've if you've ever heard of Savannah Bananas uh, or ever seen anything they've done uh, online, um, you'll recognise the guy with the yellow tux. Mm. Um, you know the owner. Uh, who jumps about, runs around in the in the stadium, uh, gets in the dunk tank, mm. uh, and is it is a fully a part of the the match day experience or the evening experience. I guess they're evening games, aren't they? Uh, the yeah, yeah, but a full part of it and uh, an entertainer, an innovator, and he's actually turned. Uh, well, you not turned the team around because they were a brand new team to start with, mm. um, but they've they've uh, entertained and had real success on the field of play. Yeah, well. just by complete uh, sort of undertaking a, a, a really unique um, approach and perspective on what it is to be a sports fan, which yeah. is actually not about the sport, which yeah. is a bit controversial, but, uh, you know, as he highlights, it's an entertainment business, not a sports business. So yeah. if you can get people to come along and be entertained, and, and actually what I really like about what he was saying there was um, it's something I've often thought is if you were managing a, a football club, what can you actually what can you actually control well you've hired your manager to to manage the team but you can control everything else around that from when the fan arrives or even when they're going to the game um so what are the elements you can control and that's almost what Jesse was saying they said the team might lose like mm. nine runs to nil but if they've had a good time and you've controlled all the other parts and they walk away and they, and they've done something that you can control and you can have an influence on then you've done a good job yeah yeah so uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast as much as we enjoyed doing it. Yeah. So have a listen and we'll speak to you again at the end. So Jesse, thanks so much for joining us on Behind the Goals. Real pleasure to have you here. Oh, pumped to be here with you guys. Um, I want to first ask you a little bit about yourself and, and your background. And um, the first time I came across you on Twitter, uh, your your Twitter profile picture is very distinctive because you're wearing a, a bright yellow tux. Uh, and you've got a book called Find Your Yellow Tuck. So perhaps you could just, I mean, the first thing I instantly thought I was saying to Alan is you kind of remind me of like Willy Wonka of baseball, <laughs> the Willy Wonka of baseball. But I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that as a compliment. Oh, if please do. The, if I could be the Willy Wonka of this baseball and entertainment and circus sports world that we're trying to create, I'd, I'd love it. But uh, yeah, I do own a yellow tuxedo. I actually own seven of those yellow tuxedos. Wow. And uh, it's crazy. I wear it every day. And my whole thing is just about standing out, being different. And really, I own, I own sports teams, baseball teams, and uh, we've made an absolute circus at our ballpark. Our players do choreographed dances during the games. We literally have a breakdancing first base coach. People <laughs> sing. They get pie during games. We have a 30-piece pep band that plays during baseball games, which is not normal. We've given away porta johns colon cleansings. We've done the craziest <laughs> things at our ballparks. But it's all about making it a fun environment and atmosphere. And 
Uh, we've learned a lot along the ways, but uh, right now, you know, we've sold out every single game and now for two straight seasons, and it's been an absolute wild ride. So, uh, you know, I believe every company, every sports team, every business can find ways to stand out and be different. And that's what Find Your Yellow Tux is all about. Believe me, I'm not telling you guys to wear a yellow tuxedo. You might stand out a little too much in Scotland, but uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. So um, tell us a little bit more about yourself because you, you, you only got into owning um, sports teams through, uh, you were first a general manager, is that right? Yeah, I, st- I started back right out of college. I got a job as a general manager of the worst performing sports team in the country. <laughs> I mean, they were terrible. It was uh, 200 fans coming to the games. The team was losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, they couldn't win games. Nobody cared about them. And I started at it at 23 years old and realized that we couldn't be just about baseball. We had to be about entertainment. And that's when we started having grandma beauty pageants at the bar ballparks and burying diamond rings in the infield dirt. I got in the dunk tank every night and really realized, hey, you had to make it about a show and make it about fun. And uh, that's really, that was, you know, now 11 years ago. And since that point, we've really taken it to another level. And I ended up buying that team in Gastonia, North Carolina in 2014, uh, built it up to sell out numerous games. And we just actually recently sold it to now focus 100% on our team in Savannah, Georgia, which, as I mentioned, has now sold out every single game. And we have a wait list in the thousands for tickets um, because we're just trying to change the game of baseball and make it more entertaining and make it more fun. How did, how did you get that job straight out of college? What was it that, uh, how did you pitch yourself? Uh, and what were they looking for in you uh, to give you that job at 23 years of age? <laughs> they were crazy. Let's put it that way. What were they thinking? Uh, no, I, I, uh, I played baseball in college, tore my shoulder. That ended my career. And uh, so I, I got an email about an internship with a team in Spartanburg, South Carolina, a tiny, small town uh, in the south. And I took that internship and I was very fortunate to be really uh, successful with sales. I started selling sponsorships and tickets and after two months I sold more than uh, the general manager of that team, the the director of sales and the owner said let's give this guy a shot with the other team um, in Gastonia, North Carolina. So it was really my ability to sell and convince people to come out to a ballpark and a team that wasn't successful that I was given that job. And and is that where you kind of made the? Because I've, I've I've read somewhere you've said you're not in the sports industry. You're actually in the entertainment industry, which is something I don't think a lot of people that work in sports industry have really kind of grasped. Probably ourselves included. <laughs> but that's um, I mean that's that's a really interesting thing to to make that distinction. So what kind is how did you how did that change your approach to everything? Well, you you want to you know if everyone's playing the same game about wins and losses, then you can't stand out. And I realized what game I wanted to play, a game that I could potentially win. If your team, you guys know this, if your team is terrible, you know, people aren't going to have a great time at the games. Mm. Well, I couldn't control necessarily how the team's going to be. And every year is different. You, you know, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. But you can control the show and the entertainment. So I knew that by having nonstop promotions and dancing and giveaways and just fun at the ballpark, that even if the team lost 11 nothing, people could say, I enjoyed the show. And now that's the only language we use at our ballparks. It's not, did you enjoy the game? Did you enjoy the show? So, and I believe every single business is in the entertainment business. No matter what you do, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're just a regular business, people want to be entertained. They don't want to just come in and buy a product. They want to have a good experience. So, you know, that's how we look at it. When people come to our ballpark, it's showtime. And that's why literally we have nonstop promotions as soon as they come in. I mean, they're greeted by the players. You know, this is something I don't know how many sports teams do, but mm. literally our players are out at the gate 
greeting the fans, signing autographs, handing out programs. Our players hand out roses to little girls in the crowd during the games. They did a conga line through the stadium the other game with 500 people joining on. You know, we put our players into the show because that's part of the experience. And I think it'd be a pretty fun time to come out and see the players actually having fun. Yeah, absolutely. So so from um, what what inspired you to take the plunge and actually go for you bought the first team you were working for is that right and then and then you've just recently um set up the savannah banana how did that all happen how did that kind of come about yeah you know everyone asks you know how do you go and buy these teams and i go you go from zero debt to over a million dollars in debt <laughs> so literally i uh, i took on hundreds of thousands of dollars then even over a million dollars in debt and buying the team so uh, i believed in it you know it was a point where i was running it i was like you know what Let's take the plunge. Let's go all in. And uh, so my wife and I made the decision. And uh, like I said, we took on a ton of debt. But we knew we had something special. And, you know, we try to see what can you be the best in the world at. And we, as crazy as that sounds here just in Savannah, Georgia, and previously in Gastonia, North Carolina, we believe we can provide the best fan experience in the world. And so we said, might as well own it. Might as well go all in. So let's put your money where your mouth is if you're going to do it. And uh, that's what we did. And I'll tell you what we've learned over the last few years. <laughs> we've learned more than we've ever imagined when you buy a team and the struggles and the challenges. And uh, But it's been the most rewarding thing of my life. Yeah, so the, the Savannah uh, Banana, so, they, so this was, they were formed just a couple of years ago, is that right? Yeah, there's a crazy story here. So there was professional baseball. And let me just give the listeners an idea. You know, there's in, in baseball, there's levels. There's the major league level. Then there's the level underneath it, triple A which is still professional, then there's double A, then there's full season A, then there's short season A, then there's rookie ball, then there's independent professional baseball, then there's top-level college baseball, and then there's us at the bottom there, <laughs> college summer baseball. And so people can understand that's how crazy it is with what's happening at our stadium with every game sold out. Mm. There was professional baseball in Savannah, Georgia for 90 years. Now, this was single-A baseball, you know, affiliates of the major league teams. And they didn't have any success. They, were, uh, they weren't drawing crowds, and they said they needed a brand-new stadium to be able to stay in Savannah. Well, the city said, we can't afford a brand-new stadium. So they left. So professional baseball did not succeed in Savannah. They left, and then us, as crazy college summer baseball, the lowest level, came in, and it sounds like, oh, great, you guys have sold out every game. Well, not in the beginning. When we first came in, our first two months, we sold one ticket. One <laughs> ticket in two months. It was painful. It literally got so bad that five months into it, I got a phone call from one of our employees, and we had overdrafted our account, and we were completely out of money. And that was January of 2016. And at that point, my wife and I looked at ourselves and said, we got no other options. We sold our house, we emptied out our savings account, and we went all in, started sleeping on an airbed and uh, trying to make ends meet. And then we became the Savannah Bananas, and we found a way to create attention and get everyone to realize that, hey, we're different than everyone else. Yeah, so t tell us how you came up with the name Savannah Bananas. <laughs> so, you know, one big thing is, you know, we, we involved the entire community and had numerous suggestions, a thousand different suggestions, and generic names like the Seagulls and the Ports and the Anchors, just boring generic names. But one woman suggested Bananas. And she said, you asked for a very unique, different name. So she suggested it. And then we looked at ourselves and we were like, hmm, go bananas. <laughs> we could have a mascot named Split. Oh. We could have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. We started thinking about <laughs> all the things we could do. And we said, this is going to be crazy. Let's do it. And on February 25th, 2016, we announced that name. 
and nationally, everyone was talking about it. It was number one trending on Twitter. It was huge. But locally, we got crucified. (laughs) Literally, we started getting reached out. You guys should be thrown out of this town. You're an embarrassment to this city. The owner doesn't belong. He needs to be out of here. You'll never sell a ticket. But what happened was, even though they were ripping us apart, everybody was talking about us. And that's all we needed was a little bit of attention. And once we got that, people started realizing, wow, these guys are fun. They, they, they are going to do things different and unique. And that's when everything turned around. So what kind of attendances are we talking just to kind of set the scene? So the, the, the stadium only, hits, uh, only has 4,000 seats, but we are over capacity every single night. So mm-hmm. literally right now we've got tons of games left and you can't buy a ticket. So there's scalpers outside of our games. There's a wait list in the thousands for tickets for next year. So every single night we're in that 42 to 4,300 uh, no matter what. And it's, uh, it's an old 1926 stadium, but I'll tell you, it's the loudest ballpark I've ever been into. Mm. Mm. So, so the, what's the secret then? What, what kind of things? I, I read you've got a fans first approach. Perhaps you could tell us what that actually entails in practice. Yeah. Well, well, what's, well what's the best experience for a fan? You know, and we look at everything as fans. You know, if you're a business, don't just look at it as customers. Don't just look at it as, as your employees. Look at everyone as a fan. And you guys know this much as anything. If you're a fan, you are passionate about, you know, the team. You're behind. You wear the merchandise. You're talking to everybody you know about it. You know, why don't we build that type of mentality for everyone and create fans, create raving fans? So, you know, we go all out. And, uh, you know, we've had zero turnover in employees since we've started, which is, you know, really rare these days. And our fans, I mean, literally every single person who buys a ticket from us, they get an email that says, congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. Right now (laughs) as you bought your tickets, we grabbed them, we ran them out into the stadium, we hoisted them up in the air, we did Gatorade showers celebrating, and now your tickets are in our vault in maximum security ready for you to go bananas. And then (laughs) after that, they get an immediate call from one of our employees just thanking them. Most people are like, did my credit card not work? And we're like, no, we just want to call and thank you. That happens before they even experience our product because we're trying to think, what is that perfect experience? As they show up, the first thing they'll see is penguins. Not not real penguins because those, those wouldn't survive here in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> but, peop, but people dressed up in penguin costumes. There are parking penguins. Because if you're going to get parked, you might as well be dressed up like a crazy character in a penguin, I thought. So then as you pass that, you'll see our players in full uniform, as I mentioned, passing out programs. Then you'll see our 30-piece pep band playing the Rocky theme music and Uptown Funk as you're coming into the stadium. And then you'll have people dressed up in banana costumes, ripping your tickets that are shaped like bananas and that are also scratch and sniff and smell like bananas. That's before you have even come into our ballpark. So, you know, you try to map out every single detail of the experience. And once they come in the ballpark, I mean, we go out, we have a, a three-page script of different promotions from dances to songs to people, the whole crowd singing to literally people getting pied on the field. Every single half inning is part of the show. And then when they leave, we have our entire staff at the gate, including our players, thanking the fans and our pep band is playing music. People don't want to leave. They're singing and dancing, you know, at 1030 at night and the game's been over for an hour. And I think that goes into how we try to design this perfect uh, fan experience. Have, have other teams in your league um, spotted what you're? They obviously will have spotted what you're doing, but are they are they starting to follow the same path? I wish they think we're crazy. Really, even <laughs> they, even despite they, the they sellers, nothing wrong. They're focusing on the baseball. Yeah. You know, they focus on getting uh, you know better players, trying to focus on the baseball and win games. But here's the crazy thing: when you focus on the atmosphere and the experience, the baseball takes care of itself. 
The first year, we won the championship. The second year, we had the best record in the league. Right now, we have the best record in the league in our third year. Because the players are having more fun than they ever played, playing in front of 4,000 yeah. loud fans that love them to death. Yeah. So I believe you focus on the experience and the atmosphere first, and everything else takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't lie. When I was doing the research... Um, Alan and I have been talking about doing some of these podcasts out on the road. I mean, it'd be a bit harder to get to Savannah, but uh, <laughs> when I heard about the all-you-can-eat tickets, I won't lie, I think we were quite tempted. <laughs> so um, so this is basically you buy your ticket and it comes with like a token or something that you can just hand in at the, the food desk and you can eat as much as you want for the whole evening? <laughs> no, it actually gives you a wristband. And as soon as you show up at 5.30, you could leave at 10.30. And you can have all the hot dogs, the burgers, the chicken sandwiches, the soda, the drinks, the popcorn, the cookies, as much as you want until after until the game's over. And, you know, it, until you leave, actually. And again, that goes into what's the perfect experience for a fan. You guys tell me when you go to a sporting event, don't you get nickel and dime? You got to buy a drink, a hot dog, a burger. And it ends up being expensive sometimes, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My, my bugbear is when they run out of pies before halftime. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, yeah, it's bizarre. We weren't expecting a, any fans to turn up, so we didn't get any pies. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. So <laughs> we try to include everything. And yeah, did we go through 10,000 pieces of meat in about an hour and a half when we first opened? Wow. You better believe it. Our concession staff works harder than I've ever seen a group. But for the fans, you know, think about it. you have kids. Hey, you want a drink? Just go get it. You don't need money. Just go yeah. get a drink. Yeah. Go get a cookie. Go get yeah. a hot dog. Yeah. It's just part of our whole model. That's absolutely fascinating. And how, So how much is one of those tickets? $15. Wow. $15? Just for the food you'd go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that $15 includes everything, the ticket and all the food. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're certainly going to have to line up a trip to Savannah, <laughs> aren't we? So whenever you guys are ready, we'll take care of you. <laughs> oh, lovely. Okay. Put us down for next year. Yeah, it's got a sky scanner right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a couple of other things I, I wanted to ask you about the bananas. So the, the what kind of um, – there's pretty much something on every single day you go there in terms of activities and events. Perhaps you could just walk us through some of the things you've had in the past. Yeah, I mean we hired a full-time director of fun. And that's his actual title is director of fun. So uh, every day he's got to be working on his title and delivering what he's supposed to be doing. And um, like I said, we have a three page script. So, you know, we have, you know, before the game, we'll have a special home run hitter where the kid gets to run the bases and the team lifts him up. We have the entire stadium singing Justin Timberlake's can't stop the, uh, the feeling uh, song with throwing out giant like you know, six feet balls in the crowd and the players are all on the, on the dugouts chanting. Then they literally have the, uh, the pep band getting the whole stadium greeted, get them standing up and going loud for a college summer baseball game, which is just, you know, imagine 4,000 people screaming for a college summer baseball game. It's just wild. And, uh, you know, there's literally different promotions every night. Um, our breakdancing first base coach, who literally coaches first base and will do the thriller dance into like the MC Hammer dance into the new dances. You know, he has a new routine every single night of different dances that he's doing. Same thing with our senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. So, you know, we don't really set up huge theme nights. We just make sure every night is different. Every night is a show. And we tell our fans to expect the unexpected because you never know what will happen. Yeah, that's that's, um, that. Really interesting. The other thing I want to touch upon is the videos. I had a look on your YouTube channel earlier today, uh, and we were admiring the uh, the Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Boys yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how do you uh, how do you recruit uh, students that are happy enough to partake in? Uh, do they love it as much as you do? Not at first. At first, they're like, <laughs> "What have we got ourselves into?" Yeah. <laughs> but Came here to play they, baseball and <laughs> 
Yeah, they, they think they think they're crazy, but once they see you know on Facebook and on Twitter that it gets a hundred thousand views and everyone's talking about it, they're all in. But yeah, they came up with that idea that Backstreet Boys, which it was the bananas are back. Uh, all right, they actually came up with the idea. Let's all get in the shower and start uh, pouring water all over ourselves and do the same. Like you guys are crazy, but we're all in on that. And uh, so they come up with a lot of the ideas. But again, it's just what's fun. You know, keep it simple. We make baseball fun. So the players should be doing fun videos. And, you know, uh, I, we had a Titanic rendition. You know, we've done a lot of music videos. We copy famous movie scenes and make them our own. Uh, that's just part of who we are. But the players at first, they are, they're very uh, uh, weary of it until they see how popular they become. Then they then they want in. <laughs> and you've, you've won several awards in the last couple of years as well haven't you so i've read here organization of the year you, you yourself entrepreneur of the year business of the year and free cpl championships although i couldn't work out what cpl actually meant that's the league that's the coastal okay. plain league yes yeah well we've been fortunate we've been honored with a lot of awards and you know that's just something that we can celebrate internally you know we make sure with our staff that they understand how special it is that we're doing so uh it's 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 been great you know that's always a nice thing when you can be honored yeah, of course, absolutely, the recognition, I'm sure. And um, have you ever done any kind of research? Because obviously the, everything you sound like you're doing is brilliant, but it sounds like, like it costs money to invest into that experience, which is paying off. But have you ever done any research to look at that kind of the benefits you're getting compared to the costs? Yeah, you know, we don't research. I think this is, you know, we talk about this in, in my book, Find Your Yellow Tux. You know, I don't, we don't necessarily learn from other sports teams. We learn from other industries. Mm. You know, get out of your own bubble. We, we learn from the cruise industry. We learn from, like, Circus Soleil. We learn from groups like Blue Man Group. We learn mm. from Disney. So we get out of the actual sports and, and do a lot of research on what things they're doing to create great experiences. But being very open, we learn the most by doing. I believe in the concept, do and then learn. You guys may appreciate this, but, you know, our big premise of everything that we do is whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So if people are doing something the same way, we do the exact opposite. And a great example was last year when we said, hey, we're going to host a beer festival at our stadium, you know, where everyone gets you know, unlimited samples. They get to try tons of different beers. But most beer festivals are held at night. We're going to hold yeah. a beer festival at 9 in the morning, and we're going to call it <laughs> Tap of the Morning Beer Fest. And because, because you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That was our <laughs> And so we, we tried it. So we started at 9 a.m. We promoted the heck out of it, and no one was buying tickets. We were scared. We're like, all right, well, this was a failure. So we got creative. We're like, all right, what if we offer everyone free brunch, you know, free eggs and all donuts and everything? So we promoted. We said the first couple hundred people get get a free brunch as well, free breakfast. And so all of a sudden, at 8.30 in the morning, the line started forming. And it was my <laughs> proudest moments when I saw 250 people at line to start drinking at 9 in the morning. So we uh, – we, we learned from it. We did it. And this next year we had, we hosted, hold, hold over a thousand people. So you can never know if something doesn't, that works or doesn't work if you don't try. So we're constantly trying things. We just did a 5K called Running of the Bananas, kind of like Running of the Bulls. But we had <laughs> over 500 people running in banana costumes, a 5K race. It was, I can't imagine people down the street seeing 500 people in banana costumes. I was just hoping for a fun visual and that's what happened. But we tried it. And, you know, we, we, we try new things every single day. Wow. That is that's that's uh, that's unique, I think, Sally. So we're quite impartial to a beer festival ourselves, uh, Jesse. So yeah. uh, this uh, this road trip is sounding more and more likely. Yeah, we need to, we need to make it coincide <laughs> with the it. nine nine a.m. drinking. 
love, I love it. We actually have our own bananas beer too. We have two of our own. Uh, so we had a Savannah banana beer. Now we have a Savannah banana Mexican cerveza beer. So we're, we're, we're trying new things every every year with that stuff as well. What what's coming up for you guys? What's next on your agenda? Well, I think that's that's the key. We're we're trying to figure out where we go next. Uh, you know, do we take the show on the road? Do we start coming out? Do we do we bring the bananas to Scotland to have a game? You know, do we bring the bananas to different places and and have fun? So. You know, we're at a capacity issue where we can't sell that many more tickets because of the way our stadium is. So, I don't know. Our, our big goal is to make baseball fun and uh, create the best uh, fan experience in the world. So, we'll th- see. How do we take it How do we take it to the next step? We're still working on that. Mm. I think it'd be a real eye-opener for, for people in Scotland to see this. I mean, w- w- football football's not generally got an awful lot going out on, on in the stadium other than the match itself. You get a little bit of halftime entertainment, but not too much before kick-off, not, uh, nothing after in most football stadiums. Other sports in Scotland do a little bit better job of that. Ice hockey in particular uh, has got more going on, but nothing on the scale that you're suggesting there. And I think for people in Scotland, if they could, if they could see the types of things that, that happen that you're describing at Savannah Bananas, their eyes would really be open. Mm. It'd be, be amazing. Um, and even just that that whole idea you have of you know just all about entertainment you know you know don't worry about the baseball worry about the entertainment and everything else follows uh, I think that would be a real sort of refreshing sort of shift for people to see so yeah, yeah if you do a world tour definitely bring bring <laughs> bring a game or two to Scotland because we'll, we'll, we'll come back this. on the show and promote the world tour how's that yeah right. perfect please do <laughs> um a couple of last questions for you Jessica I know you'll have other stuff to do but um I wondered what your kind of inspirations were or who your who your inspirations were rather in terms of your ethos and, and what you've brought to baseball. Mm, I have I have three custom posters that I made inside my office here at the stadium. Uh, the first one is of Walt Disney and it says vision and the quote, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. <laughs> Number two is a poster of Bill Veck, who, who you and the listeners may not be familiar with. He was one of the most famous baseball owners back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and he did crazy things like deliver 12 live lobsters to a fan during a game. He let his fans manage a game, like to decide whether the team was going to steal and hit and run. He was so innovative. It was brilliant. And on his poster, it says, innovative. I don't break the rules, but I merely test their elasticity, and, which I love because I'm constantly trying to break the rules. And the final one, P.T. Barnum. And uh, it says, showmanship. Something terrible happens without promotion. Nothing. And those three have really impacted me, how I look at uh, what we're doing and, you know, thinking big like Walt Disney, thinking a little crazy like Bill Veck and never stop promoting and being a showman like P.T. Barnum. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. That's been a really fascinating conversation. No, I appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. So that was Jesse. Um, you know, fantastic conversation, really entertaining um, and really thought provoking as well. Uh, I, what it leaves me thinking is, could this happen in Scotland? Mm. Um, I think of examples around Scotland when even simple things like cheerleaders um, uh, have been tried at, at Scottish football games and people kind of seem to dismiss it or get frustrated or annoyed or angry that it's not tradition, traditional Scottish football and they just want to sit with their mates chatting at halftime, eat, eating their pie, drinking their bovril and not want to do anything differently. But you can you can hear in what Jesse says there the success this has yeah. had. You know, you know, just entertain first and everything else follows. And they won championships on the back of not really thinking about the baseball, but thinking about the the, the, the fan experience. Mm. So I don't know about you, Andrew, but I, I I wonder if this could work anywhere in Scotland or if a, if a version of this could work in Scotland. Mm. Yeah, I suppose the the cheerleaders thing is a, an interesting point. I mean, that's a and I, what I realise is the irony of what I'm about to say is that's a very American 
thing, isn't it? Having cheerleaders <laughs> at a, 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 yeah. a, a match. So, but what I quite like about what Jesse's talking about is he's not taking themselves too seriously. So they've got the Savannah Nanas. You know, <laughs> they, they're, they're poking fun at themselves, which yeah. I think that would work in Scott. That kind of approach yeah. would work. And I'm not saying uh, dancing nans. In, like kind in, of, <laughs> the kind of tongue-in-cheek, yeah. tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at yourself yeah. Uh, version, yeah. version of entertainment. I'm not yeah. saying having that at the Tony Macaroni Stadium is going to bring all the punters <laughs> in, but... Um, you know that kind of self-deprecating, yeah. you know, self-humorous approach to yeah. it might might work better. And I and I think something that you um, you've mentioned in the past is a, a club perhaps that hasn't got any as much tradition or as much history. Yeah. Yeah. It might work better. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's a real. It'd be interesting to find a find a new club that's willing to give this a go. I mean, I I think you know what can you lose by trying something like that out? You know, the worst case scenario, you might annoy people a little bit for a little while. Uh, but then, if it doesn't work, it will return norm return to normal for them, and they'll be they'll be okay again. Um, but there's probably also a little bit, and we're when we we're talking to Jesse before we started recording, uh, he asked us about the match day experience in Scotland at, at football matches, and I was kind of saying to him that um, Scottish football fans seem to model themselves on on uh, Waldorf and Stadler and Waldorf from the Muppets. Um, but could you get could you get Gonzo and an animal and Kermit the Frog instead? Could yeah, could, yeah. could we take that approach instead? Um, so maybe people might be up for it um, if we caught them in the right at the right time. And maybe when it's not so much of that sort of habitual, I've been coming here for thirty years. I always sit in the same seat, and I always mm-hmm. order my my bovril and eat my pie, and I don't want anything to change. If you had a circumstance at a football club where that wasn't quite so prevalent, you might have a chance of doing mm-hmm. some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things. Jesse said there was he start he kind of started this whole angle of what is that people in America don't like about baseball well the games are too long and it's quite mm. boring and that was his starting point so yeah. what's not working yeah and we could probably do that with squash football what isn't working about squash football and, and yeah. build on it from there yeah um so yeah I would be very interested to see but also equally happily to take a road trip to America to oh find yeah out. well I think we do need to check in more detail just whether that works or not and whether it's really a good idea to start drinking at nine o'clock in mm. the morning well these things can only really be tested if, if yeah. you know done in practice I don't I don't fully believe in just hearing the story yeah. no yeah, let's no. try it out and report Um, well thank you very much for listening to this week's episode hopefully there's something there which however you're involved in football to take away even if it's a an idea for how you think the match the match day experience could be better at your club yeah and write to us and tell us if you think this could work at your club if you want us to put you in touch with jesse or if you want to talk about uh, how to put some of these ideas into practice let us know so if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at behind the goals at hotmail.com uh, equally, you can get us on Twitter at SUP, which is S-U-P-P, direct, Scott. Um, and if you want to, I think, well, I actually recommend you go and follow Savannah Bananas on Twitter. Um, you could just search Savannah Bananas, and I don't think there'll be too many accounts no. called Savannah <laughs> Bananas. Uh, but also, I recommend you follow um, Jesse Cole as well, who we've just speaking to there. And his handle is at Yellow Tux Jesse, but that's Tux, uh, T-U-X, Jesse, with two S's. Uh, so, yeah, I recommend you check that yeah. out. And get on onto Amazon and order Find Your Yellow Tux to see how you can do it yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott.